Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Fire You Can't Put Out. My name is Melvin. I want to thank you so much for being here. Let's start with the story of Tony Green. Tony Green is a columnist and he writes for the Dallas Voice. Uh, quoting here, Imagine the sound and vibration of an old-fashioned electric heater going through your whole body. Imagine gasping for air with every step you take. Imagine rubbing icy hot all over your head to soothe the painful headache. Imagine your eyes in a bowl of water while you're still seeing through them. Imagine collapsing and waking up in the ER only to find out COVID-19 attacked your central nervous system and the doctor had just saved you from a stroke. If that were the worst of it, it'd be bad enough. But that's not the worst of it. This is the story of one family's harrowing fight with COVID-19. Quoting here, full disclosure, this is Tony Green talking, I'm a gay conservative, someone that often juggles persecution for my sexuality while being true to my values. Such a combination requires a lot of tenacity to earn respect from either group. I admit I voted for Donald Trump in 2016. I admit traveling deep into the conspiracy trap over COVID-19. All the defiant behavior of Trump's more radical and rowdy cult followers, I participated in it. I was a hard ass that stood up for my God-given rights. In great haste, I began prognosticating the alphabet soup about this scam-demic. I believed that the virus was a hoax. I believed that the mainstream media and the Democrats were using it to create panic, crash the economy, and destroy Trump's chances at re-election. And so, believing the pandemic to be a hoax, my partner and I hosted family members on Saturday, June 13th, and Sunday, June 14th, I woke up sick. By Monday, June 15th, my partner and my parents were all sick. That same Monday, my in-laws traveled to witness the birth of their first grandchild. They took with them my father-in-law's mother and one of my partner's sisters. That night, my father-in-law became ill. Then my mother-in-law and their daughter began feeling sick. So they cut their trip short. Two days later, my father-in-law's mother got sick. The new mommy and daddy got sick too. We all tested positive for COVID-19. Only the newborn was spared. My father and I father-in-law and I both went to the hospital on June 24th. The virus had attacked my central nervous system and the staff stopped me from having a stroke. My father-in-law's mother was admitted a day later. On July 1st, she died of COVID-19 pneumonia. The chaplain wanted the family to break the news to my father-in-law and he learned how his mother lay on her deathbed and then drifted off without any family by her side, even though he was in the room next to hers. On the day of her funeral, which was July 14th, five more of our family members tested positive for the virus. That evening, my father-in-law was put on a ventilator. Let me pause for just a second. So he has the gathering. The next day, he's sick. Within a month, one of his family members is dead 
and the other one and another one is put on a ventilator. Quoting it here, you cannot imagine the guilt I feel knowing that I hosted the gathering that led to so much suffering. You cannot imagine my guilt at having been a denier, carelessly shuffling through the pandemic, making fun of people who wear masks or social distance. You cannot imagine my guilt at knowing that my actions convinced both our families that it was safe when it wasn't. For those who deny that the virus exists or who downplay its severity, let me assure you, the coronavirus is very real and extremely contagious. Before you even know you have it, you've passed it along to your friends, your family, your co-workers, and your neighbors. And now husbands, wives, and children are being separated. The sick are taking care of the sick, while those without symptoms are self-quarantining. I'm aware of how my bias could discredit me with some, but trust me, you do not want this virus. And you do not want your loved ones suffering and dying from this because you're taking a political stand or protecting the economy or their lives. We are all at the precipice of a common heartache. The next time you p you're put out because your favorite spots are closed or because they won't let you in without wearing a mask, or you decide to defy them rather than comply because you're defending your rights or freedoms, just remember, your friends and family may be next. If this is too harsh, try imagining somebody that you care about on life support. Try being the one to pick the only 10 people allowed to attend a funeral for a loved one. But don't fret. You've got time to ponder because the mortuary is booked out for at least a week. And it goes on. I bring you Tony Green's story because this is the unfortunate place that we find ourselves at right now, at this time in history in America. The idea that we, we, all, we almost all subscribe to right now about our political tribes about how my guy can do no wrong. The guy I voted for can do no wrong. Because I voted for him. And, and if anything stands in the way of my guy that I voted for getting reelected, it's clearly a political attack and everybody is just against that person. The fact that this disease has become so politicized and it is so ridiculous. There's another article over at the AP uh, that talks about how public health officials are resigning because they're getting death threats. They're getting physical threats, bodily threats. And they're getting threats from conservatives who don't want them talking about the severity of COVID-19. Because most conservatives, and yes, most conservatives, do not believe that it exists and that it is real. And the reason why is because it's happening during an election year. Serious things cannot happen to my candidate during an election year. Because that, that means the, uh, the odds are overwhelming that my candidate will lose. And the polls are shifting away from Trump every single day. As more and more people see the severity of this disease. See what it means and see where it's taking us as a country. 
At this time, we have nearly 170,000 people who have died just in America from this disease. We are 5% of the world's population, and we are more than one quarter of the world's cases. That's insane. New York, which was once the undeniable uh, hottest spot in the entire country for this disease, is now the, because they got in early and they did something drastic. They are now the only school district in the whole country that feels like they can go back to in-person classes this fall safely. They're not the only ones that are doing it. Other places are doing it. But the places that are doing it where they've done nothing to help flatten the curve or stave off the disease, they're, they're, they're doing a little more than sacrificing their children, their teachers, and their parents to this disease. But New York is going back to in-person classes because they did something about the disease and they did something about it straight away. In the last 10 days, we have had more than 10,000 deaths in America from this disease alone. And there are any number of scientific articles that tell us that it's incredibly likely that we are undercounting, that's undercounting the deaths that are coming from this disease. We've had 10,000 die in just the last week. In Canada, since the outbreak began in March, their entire death count isn't even isn't even at 10,000. And we lost 10,000 in just the last seven days alone. They're just to the north of us. We're on the same continent. We have a common border with them. They've managed to do something about the disease. And they haven't even hit 10,000 deaths. We lost over 7,000 people in the last seven days where Canada lost 50. And why? Why do we have this? Because we decided that we absolutely had to have Donald Trump as president. And then the country, it appears, is filled with a bunch of ungovernable crybabies. I feel like there's nothing and I say this as a person who comes to this microphone every week and really just wants to offer hope. I see this as impossible. I don't, without a vaccine, I don't know how we find ourselves away from this. Joe Biden has already called for a nationwide mask mandate since he is the likely um, he's the likely Democratic nominee that will face off against Donald Trump this fall. And we'll see how that goes. I'm not in, I, I, I'll tell you something. I, uh, Joe Biden, trash ass candidate. But uh, Joe Biden's getting better with each passing day. And this past week when he decided to make Kamala Harris his vice president, I have gone all in on the Biden campaign. I, the boy was going to get my vote before. Okay, because it's, it's either him, it's either Joe Biden, or it's the Nazi. It's a pretty easy choice. I'm not going to vote for a Nazi. Ever. Like, even if that Nazi says, hey, I'm for universal health care. Yeah, but you're a Nazi. 
not voting for you. You know, but I want to help house the homeless. Yeah, but God damn it, you're a Nazi. I'm not going to vote for you. I believe in a, a, a basic minimum, like no matter how progressive you get, if you're a effing Nazi, I'm not going to vote for you. Joe Biden picked Kamala Harris this week. Uh, back early on in the campaign, I gave money to uh, Yang and to Buttigieg and to Kamala. Those were the three people that I picked out of the primaries that I, I absolutely liked the most. And I really wanted one of them to go on to be the nominee. Um, with Kamala sitting in the passenger seat, uh, I don't think she'll remain in the passenger seat for that long. And considering Joe Biden's age, I'm not certain that if Joe Biden became president, that he would actually go forward with a second term. Uh, the incumbent at that point would be Kamala Harris, and I know she'd run for president again. Um, if Joe Biden becomes president, we could quite likely be looking at 12 years of democratic rule. And this is why... This is why the, the president is doing everything in his power to make sure that people are unable to vote this fall by demanding that if they want to vote, they have to show up in person, knowing that the pandemic is killing people and it's killing more people in America than it is anywhere else in the world. And if you think you're going to vote by mail-in ballot, well, Louis DeJoy, the guy that he picked to head the post office, is making sure that your ballot will not get there in time in order to be counted for the fall election. Trump is a dictator and he's using all of the levers of power at his disposal to make sure that he continues to reign as an American dictator. But here's where the hope comes in. You cannot let that happen. I feel like even though he's an incumbent president, I feel like the odds of Donald Trump losing this fall are real and they're palpable. But he, at that point, he, and I say this again, he will not be leaving office even if he loses. He will not be leaving without a fight. He's going to do everything in his power to make sure that there is not a peaceful transfer of power. It's said every election that this election is the most important election of our lifetime. No, no, no. We've got to stop saying that for every single election because it trivializes that very phrase. But this is, this is the most important election. If for nothing else, just so that we can get back to normal, I am ready to again even if it's a conservative, I just need some, I just need an adult to be president again. When it came to voting, I, I've long just looked down at conservative candidates because I, I don't agree with them. We don't share the same worldview. I don't like the homophobia. I don't like the racism. I don't like the sexism. But uh, even another conservative candidate would be better than Trump at this point. I just, I, I need a grown up and no more Nazis. All right. Now I want to get into this. And uh, you might want to sit down. Uh, Michelle Obama did something pretty groundbreaking this week. She, she's now doing 
a podcast for uh, for Spotify. I've not heard it yet. Um, I'm sure it's good, and I'll probably check it out at some point, but got a lot going on right now. So um, I've not listened to her podcast yet. But she talked about depression. Depression that came as a result of the times that we are living through right now. And I want to encourage everybody um, to really look at yourself right now. And look, and just look at how you feel. Um, I, I have a therapist, but within a couple months of the pandemic, my therapist became impossible to reach. I probably haven't talked to her in three months. I don't know where she's at. I don't know that she's okay. I, I hope that she is, but, um, I'm out here alone right now. And I'm not alone alone. Um, I've got my wife and I've got my, my babies and, you know, and I've, I've got some friends and I'm still managing to do some work and bring in some money. So I'm not entirely alone, but that whole mental health piece that's so important, um, I'm struggling right now. And to a, to a degree, I am... I'm definitely depressed and I'm falling apart a little bit. And I want to tell you that if you feel this way, that it's okay. This is a, this thing that we're living through right now isn't, there's no, there's no humanity to it whatsoever. The fact that we can't agree um, on basic facts and basic rules and we can't get our fellow Americans to think about one another right now, to wear a mask, not to protect you, but to protect other people, social distancing, stay out of people's bubbles, wash your damn hands, like simple, simple, simple stuff. The fact that we can't get Americans to think about one another right now is, is shocking. It's shocking and it's, and it's depressing. And the fact that we don't get to, we get to have these get-togethers uh, weddings, we can't even gather at the somber ones like funerals, uh, concerts, which are always a great time. You know, even though it's not the healthiest thing for us, you know, closing out the closing out the bars at night, just the the little things that we just never thought we'd lose before. You know, backyard gatherings like Mr. Green had at the beginning of today's show, which he he just thought it was going to be okay, and then within a month, someone's dead. And another month after that, someone else is dead. And this, this, this family member is on a ventilator. And, and holy hell, this is tough. And the fact that we don't have a grown-up federal response right now, and we're just sinking deeper and deeper, and our cases are worse than anywhere else in the world, yes, it's too easy. It's too easy to get depressed it's too easy to feel like this is insurmountable. It's, it's too easy to feel like this is never going to end. And, the, and my depression has set in. And I'm, I'm sure yours has too. And I'm not in a good place right now. I do have um, a good support system. And I don't know if you do, but if you don't, I would encourage you to find one. Um, 
any way you can. If it's talking to family, just talking to, I mean, and if you need to see them in person, you can do the Zoom meetings, you can do the, like the Google Hangout calls, or you can do the, the, the Facebook videos or, or, or whatever, whatever it takes to talk with another human being, even if you can't get into a therapist right now. And I think that this is, I think therapy is one of those things that, that is a public good. And, and it is a healthcare need, much like um, regularly seeing your doctor. I just want to encourage you to seek other people out right now that can, that can share, that can allow you to vent and can share these thing with, things with you and hopefully make you feel a little less alone. We, we are going to get through this. Things are going to get better. Um, I anticipate a full half decade, sorry, before things entirely get back to normal. Because I think even once we tamp down the disease and we get a vaccine and the infection and death rates start start dropping off, uh, the social distancing, the nervousness about, about, about concerts uh, or people uh, getting in your bubble, uh, I think the PTSD that we are inevitably all going to have from this, that's not going to go away anytime soon. I think that's going to be with us for a little while. And much the way that we learned to um, socially distance and, and, and be very aware of the spray that we create, you know, the mouth spray that we create when we talk, when we sing, that can potentially help spread the virus and make other people sick. Uh, much the way we've learned to think about that, uh, I think it's going to take at least twice as long to, to unlearn those very uneasy thoughts that are um, bombarding us all right now. I'm not going to go find another therapist. It's so hard to establish with one, to find one you trust, to find one you like. And it took me a long time to find one and I found one that's really unique. If your healthcare will cover it, um, and I know that Talkspace is an app-based therapist, um, but it is considered medical, so uh, you might be able to get your insurance to pay for that. Or you might be able to get your insurance to pay for um, maybe an in-person therapist or um, like an in-person that you can talk to over the computer, like with, through a Zoom call or something. I, and I know that even therapists are going through a time now as well. And I feel like that's what might have happened with my therapist. I think her mind... Um, because she went through trauma and that's what brought her to this particular occupation. And I think, uh, especially with all the things that have been going on, um, in recent months, maybe she stopped seeing patients because even her mental health isn't where it needs to be so that she's able to help other people. And that's something I can understand when we talk to therapists, we're human, they're human, and there are, are limitations to what we can do for one another uh, because we are human. So if you can find a therapist, and I really want to encourage you to find one, if you can get it paid for uh, through, your, uh, through your health insurance, uh, obviously that would be ideal. Um, it, it really is, when I got to do it, it really is one of the best things that you can do for your mental health 
And so I want to encourage you to do that. Um, failing at that, you don't have the money, you can't get your insurance to pay for it. I'm sorry. America has a trash-ass healthcare system, and it's been trash for a long time, but we decided in 2016 that we wanted it to be trash for at least four more years, and so it still is, and we all need healthcare more than we ever have. People are dying from um, preventable illnesses right now because they're so afraid to go to the hospital because they're so afraid of getting COVID. It's just, it's just, it's a, it's a terrible, terrible picture, but I feel like better days are definitely ahead. We just need to get through this time. And I don't like that mindset. I've had that mindset for, for as long as I can remember, like my whole life through, through starvation and through homelessness and, and sexual abuse and and physical abuse and, and, and neglect. Like every time I went through all these things coming up as a kid, all I kept telling myself is power through. There's better days ahead. Just get through it. There's better days ahead. Just just keep going. Don't stop. Just keep going. You're, you're going to get through this and it's going to be better at the end. And I did. I got through it all. And it was. It was so great at the end. But when I got to the end um, or to, my, to the place where I am now, my, my mind was shot up. I was pretty damaged. I definitely had some pretty severe battle wounds from getting through all that stuff. So I get a therapist, you know, and, and I, I, I practice kindness and love as a virtue. And I let the people that I know, uh, I let the people I know, uh, I tell them how I feel about them all the time. And I tell them how, how right now, so that, because I never, you never know when the last time is that you're going to see somebody. You never know. The last handshake, the last hug, the last kind word, the last unkind word. You never know when the last time is going to be when something happens. Like the last time you'll see somebody or, or be with somebody. So I always make sure that when I depart from somebody that I make sure to let them know how I, how I feel about them. And this isn't like me spilling guts every morning, just weeping. And No, I just let people know how I feel about them everything because I, I want them to walk away with that good feeling and I want to make sure that that's the thing that they carry with them. And I, and I, I never leave them with an unkind word. Um, even the family members that I have uh, had to uh, kick out of my life because of how toxic they are and how, how awful they've been for, for my mental health. Um, even then, I didn't tell them to go to F off and jump off a bridge. I just, I very, you know, I've, I've still got love for you, but um, this relationship is not good for really either one of us. Um, even though I'm often the victim um, it's 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 not good for my mental health when I get abused. It's also not good for their mental health to be abusing me. So even when I sever those kinds of incredibly toxic relationships, I still point out um, the love is still there, but we are doing damage to one another by continuing with this relationship. Even if that's family, you have to be willing to say it. So be conscious of your mental health. 
seek out those connections when you can. Try to find a professional. Reach out to people that you think might be in danger uh, during this time uh, with respect to their mental health. And I promise you, we're, we're all, we're all going to get through this together. And, you know, as, as my mom used to say, we'll look back on these days and laugh. No, we, we probably won't look back on these days and laugh, but we, we will uh, be richer in knowledge and love and kindness and apathy once this whole thing resolves itself. Of course, at that point, I'll exhale and I think a lot of us will. And I look forward to seeing you and getting together with you and sharing the love that makes our lives worth living. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here on The Fire You Can't Put Out. I appreciate you tuning in. I see y'all looking me up on the book of faces. <laughs> New people all the time. Um, of course, our official home uh, is is. is tfycpo.podbean.com you can you can email us at tfycpo at, at gmail.com uh, you can send us letters of love you can send us letters of hate whatever it takes uh, I would like to give a shout out uh, to, to my brother and to my producer and to my friend um, who's got some new family members this week uh, Kevin uh, I, I love I love seeing the pics bro and I, I hope i hope that everything is going great with you uh, we are the fire you can't put out of we will prevail uh rejecting austerity in favor of prosperity um this is melvin signing off and now that i've woke you up good morning